Would you join me in prayer? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege that we have to come together this morning. Thank you for the truth of who you are. We have sung about this morning. We declare that. We continue to declare the truth of your word. I pray that what I share this morning would only be in agreement with your written, revealed word to us. And I pray that it would be given by your Spirit's power. Work in our hearts this morning. I pray that we would give you the freedom to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We're looking. This is part four. We're looking this morning at four people, one story. We've looked so far at Naaman. We looked at Naaman's servant. Last week we looked at Elisha. And this morning we're going to look at the fourth one, Gehazi. So this is another servant. This is a servant of Elisha. So this is my, I, mentioned, I kind of mentioned this last week, this is my 11th message here. And three, now three of them are about servants. That's, um, you know, that's who Jesus is. He came as a servant. And, and I, I'm just amazed at what we can learn from servants. Now, I've got to be honest, though. The servant girl that we looked at two weeks ago, she had a lot of positive to teach us. This servant, not so much, okay? We don't want to, I don't want us to go away and be a Gehazi, okay? That's not what we're looking for here, all right? Um, years ago, there was a farmer who was, was rather wealthy. He had quite a bit of money. He was pretty well off. But I, I think that he was well off um, I, I don't know his full story. I, I tend to believe that he was well off because he, he wasn't just a man who inherited this money and this large farm. I think that he really was one of those guys that really worked for it. He worked hard. And because he worked hard, his farm grew. And he became, he, he was one of the wealthiest farmers in his area. One particular year, summer, his crops did especially well. Really, really well. And for this, because he was already wealthy, he began to think to himself, my crops are doing so well, they're doing better than all my neighbors who live down the road. My crops are doing the best. I'm going to have even more money more money in the bank. What am I going to do with this abundance of crops that I have? And he began to think to himself, here's what I'll do. I'm going to build for myself bigger barns, bigger silos. That's what I'm going for. And I think that there may have been some of this going on too. I'm building me. I'm building me because those barns and those silos represent me, my success. So I'm building it so that when people drive down the road, when they pass on by, they look and they say, that is the wealthy farmer. We all know about that wealthy guy. We know him. 
that night that he thought this very thing to himself. The Lord talked to him. God himself talked to him and said, You fool. You are not even going to make it to the morning. You won't even make it through the night. And then what will you do with all of your barns and your silos? What will you do? You see, this guy had this idea of, I'm just going to kick back, relax, throw my feet up, and drink some iced tea. That's what I'm going to do. And the Lord said, you don't even know what's coming tomorrow. You won't even make it through the night. And that very night, he died. And what happened to all that he had accumulated? Well, there's some assumption here, but I believe that it went to his children. They got the inheritance. They got what he had worked so hard for. And what did they do? They kind of probably squandered it because they did not know the value of all the hard work that was put in to reap the reward. And they wasted it away. This is a story that Jesus told. Now, I've embellished this story a bit, and I've read in between the lines a little bit here, but Jesus told this story in Luke. And you don't have to, I, actually, please don't turn there. But it was in Luke chapter 12. He mentioned this story. And Jesus had a point. And one of the main points that he had was this. Your life is more than your possessions. You are more than what you possess. Your possessions does not define who you are. We Americans need to hear that today. We need to hear that and we need to listen to that. We need to hear that message today. Today's message is about greed and lying. While we might tend to think that this is an elementary lesson, meaning this is something that we should be teaching the children. These are lessons for the kids. These are lessons for all of us. These are lessons for all of us, no matter our age. This is a message for me. This is a message for you. It's for all of us. And I trust that we will allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning because I believe there is a message for us this morning in this passage. Take your Bibles. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. We're going to look this morning at verses 19 through 27. While you're turning there, and if you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible in the pew rack right in front of you. While you're turning there, just a recap of where we've been. Naaman, he had leprosy. He's been cured. He's been cured. God did that. God used his servant, a prophet, Elisha, to bring about healing. God also used a humble servant girl. We looked at her two weeks ago. A humble servant girl 
who had the message of, you need to go to Elisha. This girl, remember, she was taken captive. A young girl. A young girl taken captive, away from her family, away from her home country. And she said, you need to go to Elisha. If you can go to Elisha, you can be healed. God used her. God used difficult circumstances to bring about something good. God oftentimes does that. Last week, we looked at Elisha. Elisha, the man of God, he was known. He lived to make God known. And he refused to be known for that which God is to be known for. That's Elisha. Well, we pick up here in verse 19, and Naaman has experienced the healing that Elisha promised and said, you go to the Jordan, you wash in the Jordan seven times, you're going to be clean, you're going to be healed. He did that. He was healed. And then he wanted to, to go and bring his gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, 10 sets of clothing. Woo! That's a lot. He wanted to bring that gift to Elisha. And Elisha refused it. He refuses that gift. And he sent Naaman on in peace. Verse 19 of 2 Kings 5. Go in peace, Elisha said, after Naaman had traveled some distance. Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, My master was way too easy on Naaman, this Aramean, by not accepting from him what he brought. As surely as the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. Let's stop there really quick. He tries to bring the Lord into this. Let's spiritualize this. Let, let's, let's, spirit, let's, let's make my conscience feel a little bit better here. Let's bring the Lord into this. Okay, Elisha was being a little bit too easy here. Let's, um, as surely as the Lord lives, I am going to go after this man and, and, and get some of that. After all, Elisha, he's a prophet. He's a minister. He's underpaid. We need to take some of that money for him. Let's do this. That's, that's what he's maybe thinking. Verse 21, so Gehazi hurried after Naaman. When Naaman saw him running toward him, he got down from the chariot to meet him. Is everything all right? He asked. And I imagine that as Gehazi responds in verse 22, he was probably maybe a bit out of breath, having to catch himself. And he says, everything is all right. Gehazi answered, my master, my master sent me to say, two young men from the company of the prophets have just come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two sets of clothing. By all means, take two. Don't just take a talent. You take two talents, said Naaman. He urged Gehazi to accept them. And I don't think he had to urge him too hard. 
I don't think there was any, I'll try to twist your arm on this. No, Gehazi, he's all in this for himself. He's going after him. He's lying. He is, he, he is in this for himself. I want, I want this money. I want this silver. I want what he has to give. He urged Gehazi to accept them and then tied up the two talents of silver and two bags with two sets of clothing. He gave them to two of his servants and they carried them ahead of Gehazi. When Gehazi came to the hill, he took the things from the servants and put them away in the house. He sent the men away and they left. Then he went in and stood before his master, Elisha. Note, he's got to hide his stuff. He's got to hide the loot. He's got to hide what he has got. And Elisha asked him, almost like a parent to a child. And if you're a parent, you've probably been here before. Gehazi, where have you been? Gehazi, answer me. Look at me when I'm talking to you, Gehazi. Gehazi, look at me in the eyes. Answer me. Where have you been? And Gehazi's response, Gehazi answered, Your servant didn't go anywhere. Lie! Your servant didn't go anywhere. You were running. You were out of breath. You've been gone for who knows how many hours. Verse 26. And by the way, I said it a week or two ago. Never mess with a prophet. Don't mess with a prophet. (laughs) Gehazi should have known better. But Elisha said to him, Was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to take money or to accept clothes, olive groves, vineyards, flocks, herds, or men servants and maid servants? The answer is no. Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and to your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence and he was leprous as white as snow. Wow, this is amazing. The leprosy that Naaman, the Aramean has, as he comes, he's leprous. He walks away healed. Gehazi, in the land of Israel, under the ministry of Elisha, should have known better, did know better. He knew better. He knew better. He did. He was under the ministry of Elisha. He lies and he is the one who walks away from this with leprosy. He is leprous. There's a consequence. I mentioned Gehazi. He should have known better. And I said that he did know better because he served under Elisha. It does not matter what family you come from. You and I have a personal choice to make. 
We can never say, well, because my family line is this. Whether that is something great that we would brag about and say, this is my spiritual heritage. That does not make me a spiritual man or a spiritual woman. Or the vice versa could be true. Just because I come from a line of, quote, heathen people who have rejected God and want nothing to do with God, that does not mean that I am now bound to become a person who also rejects God and has nothing to do with God. That's not true. I am responsible for my choices. You are responsible for your choices. And I cannot look to my family to say, well, because that's who they were, that's who I will be. Now, my family plays a huge, that is a huge impact on who we are. We got to understand that. But it does not tie me to who I am. Gehazi, I'm saying he should have known better and he did know better. But he had a choice to make. And you and I have choices to make too. We have choices. It doesn't matter if you are the son of Billy Graham. And if you know Billy Graham, you know that his son made choices and was very rebellious. He's written a book about it, about his rebellion. You see, because Franklin Graham could never say, well, my daddy is Billy Graham. Therefore, this is who I am. No, Franklin Graham has got a choice. And God had to work in his heart. And by God's grace, God did work in his heart. And now Franklin Graham is doing incredible things around the world through Samaritan's Purse. What played out here? Gehazi got greedy. Greed led to lying. And the consequences are ironic. The leprosy that Naaman had is now the leprosy of Gehazi. It's crazy. Greed. See if this whole try it. I want to give you a definition of greed here, but this is I might be on a battery. Are you let's see, I cannot tell with a light. Rebecca, is that you up there still? Rebecca, do you mind? This is not working for some reason here. Do you mind going? And I've got actually quite a few slides I'm going to go through here. Um, Oh, yeah, I forgot this one here. Have you seen this one? He who dies with the most toys wins. A bumper sticker. Isn't that American right there? Isn't that the true American dream? He who dies with the most toys wins. That is what our culture has become about this, I want to accumulate. Rebecca, let's go with the next slide there. Have you seen this one though too? He who dies with the most toys still dies. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like King Solomon? You've got the rich man and the poor man. Hey, congratulations, you both die. That's how it works. That's how it works. All right? It's true. Rebecca, let's go with uh, the next Go with one more slide there. I think we've got greed. This is a definition, and I think that we know greed, but let's just give it a definition here. Greed from Webster's Dictionary. A selfish and excessive desire for more of something than is needed. You see, there is no greed in desiring food. But when you desire more food than what you really need, that's where it can become greedy. Greedy. 
There is no greed in desiring clothing. That is a good desire to have. When you desire more clothing than what you really need. And, and quite honestly, we probably all have far more than what we need. You know, isn't the comparison so funny? Because we're always comparing ourselves to our own culture here. Of, of this is how we live. And this is the norm. This is what's acceptable. And to some degree, I, we, we have to do this. This is our culture that we're in. I get that. But we're always, we're always comparing ourselves to the person who has more. You know? Um, it's not bad to have a longing or a desire for shelter. These are needs that we have. It's not greed when we long for these things, when we desire this. It is greed when we desire more. When it is a selfish and an excessive desire for more than what I need. Notice, I like this because notice that it is not even wrong to have more than what you need. Now that is God's. God has blessed various people differently. I don't fully know why. And I don't have to know why because I'm not God. It is not wrong to have more than what you need. But what you do with that which God gives you, that's the heart of the matter. And what we are longing for is what matters. Let's go with the next slide. Line. Lie. An intentionally false statement. It is something that's false. And it is given with the intention. It is given with the intention that it is heard falsely. It, it could be a partial truth because that is the most clever lie. It is part, partly true. But there is enough of a lie. There is enough deception. That's the most clever of them all. We might be tempted to think, come on. It's not that bad. Greed line. I mean, isn't that part of our culture? Isn't this kind of who we become? Isn't this just part of living in the year 2017? Aren't there bigger sins that, that we would make a big deal about? Let's look briefly, and this is, um, we'll go through these, Rebecca, here. What the Bible says about greed. And I'm just going to paraphrase them really quick. Second, and the, this is not everything the Bible says about greed, but I want to give you just a little couple different snapshots. Second Peter 2.14, false teachers, they're marked by it. A mark of a false teacher, greed. Colossians 3, 5. Greed is the same as idol worship. Yikes. I, I, I don't think that any of us would ever want to, at least we would never say, oh, I'm going to go worship an idol. And yet, do we ever stop to think when greed has been taking root in our heart? Ephesians 5, 3 tells us that believers are instructed to not even have a hint of greed. 
it mentions some other things there too. But one of the things that we are told not to even have a hint of is greed. Luke twelve fifteen, Jesus warned of greed and told people he was talking with his disciples, but he was also talking with crowds of people in this passage. And he told them that you are more than what you possess. You are more than what you have been able to accumulate. You are more than your possessions. You are not defined by your possessions. Luke 11, verse 39. Pharisees were marked by greed. Isn't it interesting that Pharisees and false teachers are both marked by greed? It's correlation there, isn't there? Proverbs 15, 27 tells us that greed destroys families. Want to destroy your family? Grow greedy. It divides families. It causes issues. I'm not saying it. God said it. He just, it, it says it in that proverb. And I, I know that proverbs are, are general truths. But, but do we hear it? Greed, it can destroy a family. I think that a lot of families have been destroyed by it. 1 Timothy 6 verse 10 says this, that the love of money, greed, the love of money is a root of all evil. It's a root of all evil. You love money? If we love money, slippery slope. Dangerous. Rebecca, let's look at the next slide there. What the Bible has to say about lying. Let's look at lying. Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. Seven things that tells us that the Lord hates. Now, you know, when I hear those words, God is a God of love, correct? Absolutely. God is a God of love. But there are, thing, there are some things that God cannot tolerate. And if it says that there are some things that God hates... He's got, my, he's got my ear. What is it that God hates? The second on the list, lying lips. Proverbs 12, verse 22. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. Are you trustworthy? Next one there, Proverbs 21, verse 6. Getting ahead by lying has extreme consequences. We don't always know what those consequences will be. We don't get to choose what those consequences will be. But lying has consequences. We don't know when the consequences will come. But Proverbs 21, 6 says that it has consequences. And Proverbs 26, verse 28. Do you see the repetitive pattern of Proverbs here? 26, 28. Lying communicates hatred. You want to communicate hatred to someone? Lie to them. Proverbs 19.9, lying will not go unpunished. John 8.44, Jesus said this, lying is the devil's native tongue, and the devil himself is the father of all lies. Why is lying wrong? Because God speaks truth. Whenever I lie, I am only aligning myself with Satan, with the devil, who is the father of all lies. He's the one that began it all, the father of all lies. 
Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Lying to Eve, the devil, Satan, in the form of a serpent. Lying to Eve was, was the beginning of a spiritual mess. It, it's why the world is so in such great chaos. The last one here, Hebrews 6, verse 18. It is impossible for God to lie. God doesn't lie. Gehazi grew in greed. Greed pushed him to lie. Greed and lying had consequences. In this case, it was leprosy. You and I have the freedom to live and do whatever we want. Sometimes I wish we didn't. You and I have the freedom to do whatever we want. You and I do not have the freedom to choose the consequences of those actions. That is the one thing I have no right to control. I cannot determine that kind of stuff. I can do whatever I want, yes, but I have no say whatsoever in the consequences of how I choose to live. Gehazi, he had the freedom to get greedy. He had the freedom to lie. He could do it and he did it. There was nothing stopping him. But Gehazi had absolutely no say whatsoever in what the consequences were. You and I don't choose consequences. And Gehazi, he's an example of that. Can we be honest with ourselves and call greed and lying for exactly what they are? Sin. It's exactly what it is. Greed and lying is sin. That's why as a follower of Christ, I take great comfort in these words found in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God does that. Yes, this is sin. But I have one who is greater than my sin. Because of Jesus, I can be forgiven. Do one of these negative traits describe you? Greed. Lying. Now, I don't know. This is coming from someone who's 39. So I don't know what I will be saying years down the road. But it seems that each of us may not struggle with both of these, greed and lying. But it seems like one of these we probably struggle with more than the other. If that were the case, which one of it? of these would it be for you? 
Do you struggle to tell the truth? Or do you struggle to be content with that which you have? Can you recognize it? When the Spirit of God speaks to you, can you hear him? And can you allow him to convict you? And if you would say, yeah, I actually have become greedy, or I have really watered down the truth, a.k.a. lied, confess it. Confess it to the Lord, and if need be, confess it to others. These, these are sins that I believe we get so much further when we are able to speak, not openly with everyone. I, I really feel like oftentimes that is not needed. Occasionally it might be needed. But oftentimes, just to find one or two people, fellow believers, who we can confide in and say, I need some accountability here, or I have been a bit greedy, and God has convicted me of it, or I have really been kind of watering down the truth, and I am convicted of it in my workplace. I have been watering down the truth. With my family, I have been watering down the truth. I am not telling the full truth. I I didn't really think of it as being a lie, but the Spirit of God is speaking to me and saying, this is not the truth, and you know it. Or you are really not content with that which you have, and you know it. I believe there are times to confess, always to confess it to God, but there are also times to confess it to a few other people and to say, would you pray for me? Would you help me with this? I need this. You and I cannot lie about greed. Gehazi, there was a punishment. There was a consequence for it. And though I don't know you all that well, I know you and love you enough to say that if this is anything that we are dealing with, may we give God the freedom to speak to us, convict us. And I love it when we can confess it to him and move on. Because there is great health as we move on. Join me in prayer. Lord God, I thank you for this final message from from 2 Kings and for the lesson that we can learn from Gehazi. Um, I wish he would have chosen differently. He didn't. I don't know the rest of the story for Gehazi. I'm more concerned about me and my church family here, and I pray that as your spirit speaks to us, we would respond. If we have been dealing with greed, maybe we were even a little bit unaware of it as we walked in this morning. I pray that we would confess that to you. I pray that we would be driven to be content, greater contentment. Um, If we need to seek help from someone, may we do that. If we have difficulty in speaking the truth, may we confess it as well. Father, we love you, and I'm thankful that you are faithful and just, and you forgive us of our sins as we look to you and seek your forgiveness. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.